0: I was looking at reporting on race. A black
1: man, you know the rules. I was we
0: worried about cool. that interaction. Is there another voice? We don't assume. We have to keep silence pushing. and suffering. Is there a way to open up the conversation? The Real conditions of what it's like to be black in America. I'm
2: listening to what's going. Don't
3: have all the information. You
0: know, I don't need people to be smooth. I need to push them so to be no authentic. Practice. Someone would be that rude and intrusive. It's a moral issue. The
3: more black they
0: look, the more death worthy they were. Are we just wired to be biased? I'm Soledad O'Brien. Welcome to the Matter of Fact Listening Tour. Thank you for giving us your valuable time. To take a closer look at the role bias plays in our everyday lives, we invited seven people from around the country to participate in a unique social experience. Using viral videos that captured racial bias on camera, we asked the participants to watch and share their reactions through a private chat room where they couldn't see or hear one another simulating our communication on social media. The participants had to express their feelings through text alone without knowing anything about the person behind the comments. When the videos ended, they joined a virtual video call where they continued their conversation face to face. This is what happened.
4: Hi, everybody. I know you can't see or hear each other, but can you hear me? Okay, whenever you're ready, you can roll that first video, please. Would you please stop? Sir, I'm asking you to stop.
5: Please don't come close to me.
4: Sir, I'm asking you to stop recording me. Please don't come close to me. Please take your phone off. Please don't
5: come close to me. I'm taking
4: pictures of calling the cops.
5: Please, please call the cops. Please call the cops. I'm
4: going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life.
6: Please tell them whatever you like.
4: Excuse me. I'm in the Ramble, and there is a man, African American, who has a bicycle helmet. He is recording me and threatening me and my dog. There is an African American man, I am in Central Park. He is recording me and threatening myself and my dog. And I'm, like, I'm sorry, I can't hear you either. I'm being threatened by a man in the Ramble.
6: Thank you. Thanks, everyone.
7: Now we're going to play the other video.
5: I live here. What Yo, are you going to really do to me? What are you going to you do to me? Yo, I to do me? me? Oh, oh, yeah? Back up. Why are you in Why are you back up. Keep it on camera. Get back it up. up. I'm being harassed by a bunch of black men here. Wow. <laughs> black men. Get away from me. Get away, me. Yo, get away. Hello. Hello. Wow. wow. Is this the police department? Wow. I have people trying so to put a boat boring. in the water oh, that evil. is illegal. How's that illegal. I have a boat down here. I have legal right to put my boat in the water. They do not. They didn't get I didn't that. know that. Why are you wearing a boat?
0: No. Why? What's your name, sir? Yeah.
5: Why are we bothering you,
0: bro? What's your name, sir? <laughs> you. you ha- life? We weren't here to put the boat in the water. You don't know that. You have no evidence for that. We're we're hanging out. How do you know that?
5: Excuse me. Well, they came down here to sit on a boat in the parking lot. Apparently. Uh, yeah, but
3: how do you know we're putting uh, the water? How do you know that? Hey everyone, the
6: videos are over. Now you're going to meet each other. Nice to meet you all. <laughs> nice Hello. to meet you Hello. It's a pleasure. <laughs>
1: that was fun. I didn't expect this.
6: This is what I hoped for and expected a diverse group. You know, we all see these videos and we're outraged by them, okay? And I don't think you have to be black to be outraged by the woman in the park, or that guy. Wow.
7: That situation hit home for me because I've been in my own home and had the person come in to uh, deliver oil and ask me for the owner to come out and sign it, right? And then when he realized that I was the owner, he looked at the house and thought I didn't really belong. And so for me, the experience of watching this video, for me, that is triggering the, the experiences that I've had since I've probably been 18 years old.
6: But I think you're touching on real cornerstone of the problem. Everything in America teaches all of us that fear of a black man is reasonable. It's about criminalizing behavior that is not criminal. We gotta stop looking at things that are legal for everybody else and saying, you know what, I just don't want that group
5: doing that here.
2: Seems like we have this behavior where we're willing to break the rules when it's convenient for us. And when someone asks us to follow the rules, then we start to get abrasive.
0: It's
5: not a white thing, a black thing. It is a how we deal with it as Americans, as one people in the most successful democracy on earth.
0: It's very hard for people who have been disenfranchised since the day they arrived in this country, or at least their ancestors arrived in this country, to come at this idea of being American. And until we can see that it is a black and a white thing, we can't undo any system. I'm not saying
5: that we shouldn't talk about the racial disparity between Blacks and Whites and Hispanics and Whites and Asians and everybody else in the mix. But I would, I would like to think that the future says that we can talk about these subjects. So
7: when I think about it, is I'm tired of like educating White people at work. Like what book to read, <laughs> yeah. who to talk to. So when I start to think about those things, uh, I find it challenging when people that don't look like me say that I have a, uh, a responsibility to create societal change when really all my life I've been serving
1: and trying to create societal change. Being more active in terms of race relations is something new for me because before I had a child, I don't know, like I just always try to go high when they go low and even as a black person, there are things that I didn't realize, like in terms of systemic racism and how a supremacist Culture has manifest, and it is it it goes really really deep.
0: Black people can't be racist, um, so I, I want to go ahead and caveat with that, and I strongly believe that. A lot of white people, most white people, I'll even argue to say, do have this implicit bias.
6: I'm not, I am in no way a racist, but I recognize in myself those moments when I'm walking down an alley and two black dudes are coming towards me, and I have that moment of fear that something inside of me I was taught, and it shames me to feel it, but you're right. You're 100% right. Participant
5: W, you, you know what? I would I would vote for you for office today, where I d- inherently and wholeheartedly disagree with is the idea that that Black people cannot be racist. All people are gonna be racist, there's gonna be racism. How do we change that? We start changing the dialogue and start accepting everybody for who they are the
1: the racism part of it versus bias is that racism actually impacts the life of the individual someone calling you a name or someone calling me a name that's bias and that's fine absolutely like everybody's gonna have bias and see people different ways but somebody actually having the means of which to call the police on you and have you killed for something minor, that is racism. And black people cannot in this day and age do that to white people. And that's why black people can't be racist in America. That's the difference. Yes. <laughs>
6: <laughs> hey, we should definitely do this again.
1: Yeah, Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
8: Next on the Matter of Fact Listening Tour, Wonder how children learn to be biased?
4: These images are in children's stories and books and that they're in the animation.
8: We explore the images that form how we view others. Plus, rapper Genesis B, oncoming of Age in America, why she turned her stage into a platform for protest.
0: Ask yourself a question. Do you think we live in a post-racial world? If so, it would mean there are no more stereotypes, that we don't make generalizations about a particular group and have certain expectations about every person in that group. Matter-of-fact correspondent Joey Chen set out to explore the creation of stereotypes with a look at films and images of the past and how they influence us today.
3: I used to hear the playground taunts the ching chong Chinaman man or chinese japanese dirty knees and I wondered where kids learn this stuff the stereotypes the racist tropes well it turns out the images that shape our biases are everywhere
4: the image imprinting begins early these images are in children's stories and books and that they're in the animation and that they are in our films and now our advertisements as well.
3: Mia Mask studies how African-Americans are represented in movies, TV, and pop culture, and her words stick with me as I watch Dumbo now, decades after I first saw Jim Crow and his gang.
7: Did you ever see an elephant fly? (laughs) Well, I see the horse fly.
3: Or the engines in Peter Pan. Or Shandong, the buck-toothed, chopstick-wielding piano player in The Aristocats. It's embarrassing to think this was ever entertaining. Happy, subservient. Uncle Remus sings a song of the South just loaded with stereotypes so offensive Disney won't even stream it. Or the caricatures of enslaved people at Gone with the Wind's Terra.
1: Mr. Riff? I done told, you, I told you it just ain't fitting
3: for a girl child to ride Or Hattie McDaniels' character became the name of a racist trope, the mammy. As it turns out, a lot of those funnies weren't very funny. Like Holly's neighbor, Mr. Uniyoshi, right? in Breakfast at Tiffany's. You
5: cannot go on or keep ringing my bell.
3: Or the very first TV sitcom to star an African-American woman, Eula.
8: Who spends most of her time in the kitchen, but never
3: seems to know what's cooking. Why did audiences embrace these demeaning depictions? I asked media and cultural studies scholar Alfred Martin.
5: Stereotypes aren't just about saying, hey, isn't this funny? They are generally always about um keeping the status quo in, in place.
4: So it's become part of our consciousness and our subconsciousness. We accept the ideas of Blacks as lazy, Asians as untrustworthy, Latinos as shady, as shifty. This has seeped into our consciousness and informs how we view people in the everyday uh, world and in our everyday existence.
3: Scholars say the fix isn't to just pull offensive material off the screen, but to give audiences context for old images and to give diverse voices, like the producers who brought Black Panther to life, who new opportunities to shape our vision. I'm Joey Chen for the Listening Tour.
8: Next on the Matter of Fact Listening Tour, this Wes Moore is a Rhodes Scholar and CEO who wrote a book about the other Wes Moore.
9: One of the people who the police were looking for was a guy whose name was also Wes Moore.
8: What he says made all the difference in how their lives turned out.
0: any person of color, and they'll tell you bias is pervasive. Bias comes at you in how people look at you, how they size you up, and in the expectations they have for you. A friend of mine, Wes Moore, wrote a book about the impact of those expectations, a book that became a New York Times bestseller. Titled The Other Wes Moore, it tells a story of two kids born blocks apart in similar Baltimore neighborhoods. One grew up a convicted murderer serving a life sentence. The other, a Rhodes Scholar, decorated veteran, social entrepreneur, and CEO. Wes Moore, nice to see you. It's so
9: good to see you always. So
0: your very famous book was called The Other Wes Moore, and it was about you, but not about you really. It was about another guy named Wes Moore, but really it was a look at access and opportunity. Tell me a little bit about that book.
9: So that book really started where the, the day after I'd received the Rhodes Scholarship, how the Baltimore Sun was writing this article about my life and my journey, and how this local kid who had challenges coming up, but now is getting the scholarship to go overseas and go study. And at the same time, they're writing a whole series of articles about four guys who walked into a jewelry store and, in the process of a botched armed robbery, uh, A off duty police officer was killed. And one of the people who the police were looking for, who's actually captured and tried and convicted for this crime, was a guy whose name was also Wes Moore. And we were from the same areas. We were around the same age. We both grew up in single-parent households. We both had academic and disciplinary troubles coming up. And the more I got to know him, the more we became friends, the more I began to realize how quick as a society we are, we are so fast to either congratulate or castigate Without ever really being able to understand dynamics and pathways and journeys and opportunities, and, and as, uh, as Wes said, the fact that in many ways we end up becoming products of our expectations.
0: Today you serve as the CEO of Robin Hood, and um, you're focused a lot, Robin Hood is focused a lot on poverty and ending poverty. Explain to everyone how race intersects with poverty
9: race is the most predictive, most, most predictive indicator for life outcomes that we will see. Everything from income and wealth to educational attainment to maternal mortality, right? The fact that, you know, the fact that we have a 10 to one racial wealth gap uh, in, in this country is not because one family worked 10 times harder. And so all these things I think when we're talking about what is the correlation between race and poverty or when people say, oh, it's not race, it's poverty. You can't separate the two if you're looking at not just the history that we then have to contend with, but the still baked in infrastructure that we still have to try to overcome.
8: Westmore, so nice to see you. Thanks. It's so good to see you. Still ahead, rapper Genesis B drapes herself in the Confederate flag to make a point about racism. Hear her suggestions for the nation.
0: Protest and free speech are deeply intertwined. Both contribute to our national dialogue, raise serious issues, and are intended to make a point. Sometimes a performer will turn their art into protest, and that's the story of rapper Genesis B, whose real name is Genesis Israeli Rose
2: Schmitz Briggs B. Mississippi is a microcosm of a country that always needed me but never wanted me. I'm Genesis B. I'm a hip-hop artist from Biloxi, Mississippi and a rap activist. My first introduction to religion was uh, being raised Muslim. Both of my parents converted to Islam before I was born. My mother is a Catholic white woman from Wisconsin. My father is a black man Baptist from Mississippi. My melanin and skin is a sin sentenced to build your economy. Pack the prisons, fill the quota. Make us felons, never vote us. I'm on tour now with a group called Vote Common Good, and they're all Christian leaders. They're going into other Christian territories, white Christian territories, uh, to try to get them to appeal with morality instead of party allegiance and asking these really hard questions like, would Jesus be OK with children being in cages, right? Oh, yeah, I'm on one and I don't a pill. I'm talking, paying up my student loans haters to believers on how you feel? compromise, we just going for the kill. There comes a point where a nation has to either acknowledge the brutality of the past and figure out a way to heal, or deny the brutality of the past, deny its history, and allow division to rip it apart. In 2016, I did a protest at SOB's here in New York. Mississippi's governor, Phil Bryant, had just named April Confederate Heritage Month, and I was angry. So I went and bought a flag, bought a noose, draped myself in a full Confederate flag, hung a noose around my neck, and had some choice words to my governor. They, they have the audacity to name April Confederate Heritage Month. When the flag finally came down, You have to understand like during that time, it was at the height of the George Floyd protests. And I was in Mississippi at the time. I had went back, I knew it was gonna be a point where we have to strike while the iron's hot. So to see it come down within my lifetime and like I'm still young and have energy, um, it's a blessing, it's a blessing. You say you're against sexism or against racism and all of these things, but what are you doing personally to dismantle those institutions, right? Because it has to come from the people.
8: When we come back, Soledad reflects on the importance of confronting bias. Please stay with us.
0: We're glad you joined us for this conversation about racial bias, and we hope you heard something that made you think, inspired you, or gave you tools to have more meaningful and informed conversations about race and social justice. To quote James Baldwin, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. All of these interviews and some you didn't see are posted on our website, matteroffact.tv. That's where you can watch the entire Matter of Fact Listening Tour series, including The Hard Truth About Bias, To Be an American, and Promises of Change. For Matter of Fact, I'm Soledad O'Brien.
8: Listen to Matter of Fact with Soledad O'Brien on your favorite podcast provider. Watch us during the week on FYI, Pluto, and YouTube.